In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 36, Andrew and Jerry Save the Radicals. And we'll get into that. Certainly, I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. And uh, yeah, we 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 we've we've had this discussion. Do we want to we want to hold off on who the radicals are, Jerry? Do we want to just launch right into this? Well, I mean, think about this. Our listeners, uh, who do you think we think the radicals are? Uh, it used to be right in the in the 40s and 50s and 60s and even into the 70s. The radicals were those marching right. for civil rights and demanding uh, free speech, demanding, uh, you know, uh, uh, liberty, uh, protested the, 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 the dirty hippies. Right. But they, they protested uh, black churches being uh, firebombed. They protested uh, a, a big government draft. I mean, they were the contrarians. You know, I talk about this. It's funny you say that, Jerry, because in that way, I've I've at least been consistent on all of this because um I, I talk about, especially when I was when I was coming to my political education and uh, sentience, I suppose it is. You know, I was a real student of the 1960s growing I'm gonna, up. I'm going to go, I'm going to Google that word, by the way. Sentience, you know yeah. the you know that word. Well, what do I know? It's that which separates us from the monkeys that came before us, Jerry. <laughs> um, so so um, the, the spark of divinity within us all. Um. But I was fascinated by the 60s, fascinated by protest music, fascinated by the civil rights movement, fascinated by hippies, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> me, me too. I, I, I remember once because, my, you know, my mom is is a technically a baby boomer. Yes. Uh, my dad is not. Uh, but regardless, mom, what did you do during the 60s? And she said, what do you mean? I was having a family. I was I was raising yes. you. I was on church on Sunday. We were helping our neighbors. What do you mean? Where was I? <laughs> I, was, I was being an adult. But my 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 point is, you know, for me, um, and this was not. Uh, uh, I guess I guess it was uh, what it came out in seventy one. The concept of don't get you know won't get fooled again. Don't get fooled again. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Uh, Isn't that true? Yeah. And and but it was it was a situation in which I, I sort of realized that the great failure of the 1960s, the great failure of the 1960s. And I came to this realization. You hear it right here. Really? Honey. because Yes. Really. Andrew and Jerry. The Clinton administration, when when the Clintons came in, it was sort of it all it all came real for me. So the 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 1960s was about pushing back against, in some ways, the evil uh, immorality of, of big government government agencies that were being used to harass yeah, and oppress yeah. political opponents. Consumerism. But the failure of the left was that they thought that they could replace the overarching, all-powerful abuse of our government with a benign, loving, you know, federal government big right. power of their own. Meet, meet the new boss. He's same as the old same boss. as the old boss. You know, and, and so I mean, again, just to 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 reveal, you know, so if in the 60s and 70s, you know, in the 50s, the civil rights movement, these were countercultural. Yes. Uh, these these were movements uh, trying to conserve something, trying to uh, conserve liberty for all men, uh, conserve uh, uh, free speech. Uh, and, and, and today, who, who's the radical? Who's pushing up against the government? 
a corporate America and, and let me let pushes me, against the media. Let me, today. let me let me add to this, right? Because there was a there was a real sea change. I mean, for a while, right? You had anti-government types and the sagebrush rebellion types and the property rights types. They were sort of operating behind the scenes. I know a lot of those people. Um, but really, it was the 2016 election that really brought out this idea of there's the establishment and now the leftist establishment and the anti-establishment folks. Right. Um, and the concept of the disruptors. And we've been over this. This is fertile ground for us. So, Jerry, here, go ahead and you can you can now do the big reveal. Who are the radicals? Well, the radicals today are those who are standing for family, for faith, for freedom, for the rule of law. In other words, it's working class Americans, average Americans. And and to the extent that we could put an ideology on it, it's conservatives. You know, it's funny. It's 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 I used to talk a lot of time about the vast libertarian middle. And really what it is, it's, it's, it's some of it has to do with the concept of the Leave Us Alone Coalition that Grover Norquist writes about. But it, but it really is sort of this vast, you know, just working class middle, just average everyday Americans. We used to talk about the concept, well, it gets into the issue of the Leave Us Alone Coalition, right? The, we, we, we did a whole show years ago called You Will Be Made to Care, right? The, the, the you know, one of the, the straws that broke the camel's back was when... Um, was when Vice President Pence, you know, before he became the, the before he was inaugurated, going and seeing Hamilton and being hectored at by right. the, the, the the cast of Hamilton. Anyway, the, the point is, the reason why we're doing the show today here, it, there are a number of stories that we're going to talk about today, and we're not going to break it down into um, into um, uh, breaking news and, and um, uh, the bottom line and all that. We don't have an expert coming on today. Um, I'm sitting right here. Oh, yes. Um, but the, the point is that it, the, there are two, the two stories that book him, there are a couple of other ones in there, but I wanted to open it up because I just had a discussion on Twitter with somebody about this today. Um, we had the story that broke a week ago, Friday, right, Jerry, it was a week ago, Friday that this, uh, pro-life activist, Mark Halk, uh, had, um, how many FBI agents showed up at his house? I mean, uh, uh, 30, 30 and. We know it was FBI. We know they had their guns out, pointed at the heads of 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 the children and the man and and the family in in, in this in his in his we're, house. We're going to get into a, the fact set of that story. I think we yeah. talked about it a little bit last we week. Did, sure, when we had Tim Graham on, but it's worth revisiting. Uh, and that story's gotten enough pushback um, that that one would have expected, one would have hoped that the DOJ would learn from this lesson, but no. What they are learning is, is that they can keep this in the news. So we have the announcement yesterday from the DOJ that 11 activists, pro-life activists in Tennessee, uh, were also indicted under the FACE Act yesterday, this time for an incident that happened about 18 months ago. Right. Jerry, go ahead. I know you want to talk. And about also, that. I mean, again, you know, we'll see the facts of the case, but this FACE law, uh, what it does is it protects the clinic, the abortion clinic, uh, from the entrances uh, being blocked. Correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. yes. So if you are away, good. if you are away from the entrance, and you're praying, that is not in violation of of the federal law. It's not trespassing. Yeah. And yet, again, the facts as they as they as they uh, come out, uh, these eleven. Are not guilty of that. Well, of that of that and, federal and statute. I'm trying to find the precedent because I, I I'm under the impression that the precedent, at least in Pennsylvania, is certainly that Mark Houck shouldn't have been charged. Let's, so we'll get into this. So, to, but, to, but, but, but right, the precedent though, because it's a federal statute, 
whatever precedent there is, because uh, it has it has to be the same in Tennessee as it is in. No, 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 not necessarily. So let me. All I'll right. explain that in a second. So, so the fact set with Mark Halk is that Mark Halk goes to this abortion clinic. He sets up a card table nearby and he counsels women. Right. And over the course of of the many years he's been doing this, he's been traveling several hours to this this clinic. Um, he has brought his son on occasion, and there is a pro-abortion activist who who had started harassing his son, and, and not just I mean not just you know yelling at his son, um, but but also getting into the son's face and using homophobic pejoratives about the father to the son, and, and finally the the, the guy um, the pro-choice activist the the pro-abortion activist got in the son's personal space, and the father intervened. The son's like twelve years old. And knock the guy to the ground. And the pro-choice, pro-abortion activist filed assault charges against Mark Halk. By the way, that's always what he's wanted. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to induce, he wanted to draw the foul, to use the basketball parlance. Right. And and essentially induce Mark Halk to get so frustrated that he would do something, that he would act. Um, and the prosecutor, the local prosecutor in Philadelphia throughout the, the the charges they they I, I i don't know if it was thrown out of court jerry or the prosecutor dropped the charges either way mark halk was cleared of this and within a week the doj began to investigate under the face act um you know it was it it took several months for that uh, for that to happen for for the charges to be dismissed or dropped or whatever and so uh, then the doj immediately begins and Oh, you know something I should have read that. That's what I should have read was the letter that the attorney sent because that gives the precedent. So the way it works is uh, a federal precedent, it, it, it's like a pyramid scheme. I don't mean that in the negative way. <laughs> but what happens is that if you are in, if there is a decision in Pennsylvania, um, in the, the federal district court of Pennsylvania regarding the application of federal law, that precedent applies in Pennsylvania. If the court of appeals for the circuit right, that governs right. Pennsylvania, yeah. it governs not just Pennsylvania, but all of the states within that circuit. Right, right. And then if it goes to, so Tennessee is not in the same circuit as Pennsylvania. And I don't have the circuit map in front of me. I understand. Right. Yeah. I, I so I'm also, you. I'm explaining to our listeners. Um, and, and so you have this, you have this situation um, in which it's very clear. It is abundantly clear the Biden administration and the Democrats generally, they see what's happening in uh, the midterm elections. And I'm not saying this is going to be a, Dem a Republican wave. Um, I don't think it's going to be a wave. I, I think it'll be, a, I think the Republicans are going to most likely gain control uh, by very slim margins in both the House and Senate. Um, but the Democrats know that they have an opportunity if they can draw out as much of their base as possible. They have the opportunity to not just blunt whatever Republican gains might be had, but actually to be able to hold on to both the House and Senate, which is what they really want in the end. It's not just about power, but it's about narrative, right? They want to keep control for the power, right. but they also want to be able to say, see, you know, the American and, people trust Joe Biden, blah, 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 right. blah. I'm sorry, Jerry, go ahead. And, and again, this is blatant that the Biden administration, the Democrats are leveraging the Department of Justice, again, as a political tool, uh, so they can issue press releases. Uh, this plays well with the pro-choice and the base of the party. Uh, and also how it's reported 
uh, is never is never friendly to the pro-life cause. Right. So so whatever right. whatever media this generates is also going to be uh, uh, you know presented to, to help Biden and the Democrats and, win the midterms. Right, because as we talk about narratives, and we and you know it's funny because John Lott's got some great pieces. John Lott from the Crime Prevention Center has uh, some great pieces recently about the DOJ and the FBI undercounting the instances in which a good guy with a gun. Uh, stops crimes that apparently it could be as you know it, it, it's massively being undercounted um but it, it allows again <laughs> narratives to be manipulated in such a way right jerry where yeah. when the president talks about uh when the president talks about violent extremism on the right and radicalization of the right um that you know and they talk about sort of domestic terrorism and the threats to order and the threats to democracy you know, this is the kind of statistic they point to. They can say, oh, well, we've indicted. We've had uh, 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 cases in these districts. We've indicted uh, exactly dozens right. of people on this. And then also uh, and, it helped, and that it leads helped, to. Yeah. And also remember this, you know, we, we have heard reports now that the FBI by, you know, but charged by the Biden administration and by the Department of Justice, they're looking for uh, white nationalist terror threats. This is the boogeyman that the FBI is trying to find. And so what happens, these 11 indicted for essentially praying outside of an abortion factory are now going to be included in, in the numbers of extremist white nationalists that the FBI then gives out to the media right. to, to, to show the false narrative that somehow the real threats to our democracy are coming from the right. And this is and this is what gets me here. And I got into this uh, uh, a Twitter discussion. I was telling Jerry before we went on the air. I w- wasted way too much time this morning dealing with uh, some guy who just he didn't didn't you know the 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 case was made by one of our uh, one of our uh, most steadfast followers on social media, uh, James King, uh, also a listener to the show. Uh, he tweeted out yesterday in in response to something that I've done that that uh, in response so. Sorry. Molly Hemingway had tweeted out about this indictment out of Tennessee. Um, And I tweeted out in support of this. James tweeted out in reply to me that whoever, essentially, whoever runs for president on the Republican side, you know, uh, should pledge to give clemency to these individuals, Um, to which some snarky anonymous jerk on, on Twitter said, well, why is it that the party of law and order has to issue so many, you know, uh, uh, clemency and pardons, so much clemency and pardons to which I responded. And I frankly was annoyed as all get out about the, the just, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The absurdity of this person's yeah, premise. The, fu- I said the fundamental misunderstanding. I said, of what because the I said, because, because the DOJ is thoroughly politicized, you jackass. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, it's like, it, you know, and then, of course, I then have to sit down and explain. And this person wanted to go down the rabbit hole, Jerry, the rabbit hole of, well, because uh, I, I, I brought up the issue of the DOJ is doing this. Right. The DOJ is prosecuting people under the FACE Act. Right. A guy. And, and, and let me just comment real quick yeah. on that. So some of our listeners might be saying, well, you know what? They're innocent. They'll have their day in court. But think about what this does to their home life, their finances, the organizations uh, to which they belong. Uh, think about what it does in terms of disruption for their children and their, and their families. 
but also think of how this disrupts uh, the the ability to have a free exchange of ideas. Well, yeah, yeah. this is made so pro-lifers won't say anything. This is look, look, not not to switch subjects, go back to where you're going. But just recently, the major medical associations has asked the Department of Justice to investigate those who question so-called gender affirming care. This is outrageous. and, And, you know, Jerry, you raise an excellent point, which is this issue. Right. Because, again, it gets down to the issue of of which side brilliant and i don't know if you meant to come around here with this but if it's you know, brilliant I, I meant it you know yes we're, <laughs> we're going to do a lot of figure eights today we're going to come back to a lot of these things overall because remember what we're talking about here is how the concept of who is the radical has changed over time right. it used to be that the left loved a good debate and they and they wanted to make sure that you can have this debate and discussion and in the right in the right context right you know again it, it has to do with it but you know in the public square having the open and free exchange of ideas now the left does not want that the left wants just the opposite the left are the ones who are in the who are talking about deplatforming popped up in my facebook memories today um or maybe it was yesterday that it was like five years ago when the uh, when Black Lives Matter showed up at William and Mary to shut down an ACLU event, an American Civil Liberties Union event, um, and and we now know that the ACLU is taking free speech and free expression secondary to their advocacy on diversion, uh, uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And, and so you know you 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 have this situation where you want to stifle and shut down. And I know it's going to sound hypocritical as I talk about the folks who go and protest at Supreme Court justices' houses. But the point is that there is a reason why we have a federal law on the books so that justices and federal judges are not harassed and intimidated at their homes. There is hold on, there is an appropriate time. Not only is there an appropriate time and place, to debate outside of the court the issues that are being debated inside the court. But the whole point is to have a free and open exchange of ideas in the court. And if one side is intimidated, whether or not it's by the force of arms or it's by the force of the mob outside of their homes, it has the same chilling effect on the free exchange of ideas. Go ahead, Jerry. Well, and, and again, this is, this is um, evidence, right, of the DOJ of the Biden administration exactly. of being politicized because uh, these protesters, uh, these agitators, uh, under other circumstances in a different context, you and I would support their right to protest, even if they're wrong. But there is a federal law that protects the private homes of justices. And this was a clear violation. And the Department of Justice. No arrests, no raids. The only reason to right, right, right. So the you can have a so protest. You can have a protest at the Supreme Court. You can have a protest on the grounds of the United States Capitol. You have a protest on the grounds of the mall. You can have a protest anywhere. When you take a protest to someone's house in particular, when you harass a member of the cabinet or a senior member of, of an administration, you are doing that so that you were intimidating them into change their behavior or resigning, right? You want them to take an action. You want that so, so that they don't do the job the way that they want to do their job. That's the only reason why, right? You're not, you're not protesting at the Supreme court justice's home um, because you, 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 you know, you, um, because you just want to inform them generally about an issue. 
right? Remember, all of this stuff happened because the Dobbs decision leaked. And, and let me note that it's been almost a half a year since the Dobbs decision leaked, and we still don't know who leaked well, it. And we we've started a new yeah. Supreme Court term. Yeah, we were supposed to we were supposed to hear from the Chief Justice and the Supreme Court Marshal Service by the start of the term, and we haven't. Uh, let me let me comment. Let me. let me just comment on, on and then your I want to come back to this, Jerry, because I I want to I want to get into something that this that this Twitterer uh, tweeted at me. But sure, but, but but again, just for clarity, uh, again, the evidence of of the of, of the DOJ being politicized and weaponized uh, is that a clear violation of the law. Yes, uh, pro-abortion advocates were investigated. They weren't arrested. There were no raids on their homes. Their their you know their their friends and families. And, and uh, organizations are safe. Now you have a, a man well distanced from the entrance of an abortion clinic, and he's literally protecting his son from a pro-abortion advocate, and he was raided. Again, yes. this is, again, and to, to our listeners, don't make the mistake to say this is a double standard. Don't make the mistake to say this is hypocrisy. Those things might be true. But what this really is, is hierarchy. They are the, you know, to put into the Downton Abbey, they are the aristocrats. Yes. Uh, and they will live by their own the, rules. The aristocrats. And, and, and those, and those, <laughs> and those rules, uh, the rules for us don't apply to yes. them. That's hierarchy. I'm making a joke, by the way, because there's a very famous dirty joke called the yes, aristocrats. Of course, yes, I got um, your joke. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> A group of abortion rights protesters walks into a theatrical agent's office. <laughs> you know, I expect this. You know, it's so funny. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to digress. I, I want to come back to something you said, Jerry, just about Mark Houck, because you, you said something and, and I wanted to and I wanted to reinforce what you said. And it's funny because it also gets into the question that I'm going to ask about Larry Hogan and Glenn Youngkin. Um. You know, when you when you are, you're right. They 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 may, these people may very well be uh, acquitted. The cases may be dismissed. They may not be. That's a, a chance that they're taking, and they may not have to pay their own legal bills. They may have some pro bono legal foundation depending. But I think know. about this. But think about but, if you're a contractor. Think about if you have. There, there are many organizations that have what they call in labor law moral clauses. Sure. And so if if I if I if I have a cleaning business. And, uh, and, and I have a, a hospital, uh, ch hospitals in my business. All hospitals have these more moral clauses yeah. to contracts. Well, I'm indicted by the feds. We cancel your but business. Jerry, there's going, a, there, there's a ripple effect a, here. I'm even going a step, a step back here and just talking about the family life. You know, oh, yeah, if, of course. if the SWAT team shows up at this house and takes the father off, a father, by the way, let's be really clear here also. A father whose lawyer was in communication. I mean, this is again getting back to the Donald Trump situation. Lawyers in communication with the Justice Department, um, and and says, "Hey, you know, we don't think you're you're right on the law, but if you're going to go forward with this, you know, we'll come in. Yeah, you know, we'll surrender. No, 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 no. They made an affirmative decision to send the thirty member SWAT team out to this guy's house. That is incredibly traumatic for the kids, you know, and and probably the wife too, but but certainly certainly the kids. And so." There is this overall effect there. I, I want to go and I, I want to go here, Jerry, because this is the other thing that came up, which is, and it, you talk about time and resources, right? You're you're someone who is uh, who is uh, indicted under this. You have to spend your time and your energy. You're going to lose wages. You might lose business over this. Um, you know, the question got asked, which is, well, you know, there are laws about protesting 
uh, about not protesting in people's homes on the books in Maryland, Virginia. So actually, why didn't why didn't Glenn Youngkin and and Larry Hogan go and and do this? Because it's not their job. I mean, not only is there federal law that supersedes state law on this, but why should the people of Maryland spend law enforcement resources and court resources when the federal government is not doing its job? This is the federal government's job. The Department of Justice's job is to enforce federal law. And by the way, there are greater penalties for this than sort of just dispersing the protests at these homes. You know, anyway, but, go but, ahead. But, but, but here's, you know, and I, it's hard to wrap your head around this, but here's the thing. Um, police make arrests on federal charges all the time. So for instance, you know, in New York City, uh, if, if, if there is an, a, 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 a suspect on federal gun charges, New York City police can arrest. No, no, no. They can they can detain, right? They can detain them, but they're they're not gonna be arrested until they're charged by someone in federal law enforcement. All right, but regardless, yeah. you you can use local uh local um local law enforcement. I and uh, this is back up for a second. I, yeah, so I'm not gonna give Larry Hogan an out. Uh, it is against, by, by the way, it, 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 state law in Maryland, there's state law that yes. prohibits this kind of protesting. And Montgomery County, the county where these justices live, have specific ordinances that don't allow for protest outside right. of a, a public official's home. And so Larry Hogan, again, maybe Yunkin is different. Hogan absolutely could have sentenced state police and refused. Yeah, but my but my point is again, it's it's a situation in which it starts with the federal government, not the the DOJ not doing its job, right? It would be one thing if we sort of understood that that the DOJ we we know the DOJ is not going to right. There's not going to be some point uh, because these protests started happening almost six months ago. We know there's not going to be a point a year from now where there are going to be indictments of these protesters under. 18 USC section 1503 and 1507. We know that's not going to happen. That there's not going to be some long investigation, which is how it should. It, it, it's how it should be done. The DOJ has to do its job. Yeah. Again, just so our audience gets this, there's a history of Democrats, and I'm sure other politicians in 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 our nation's history. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the Obama administration weaponized the Department of Justice and the Face Act. And this is the model. So here, so yes. I know it's only six years ago, but seven years ago, uh, but Donald Trump wasn't a front runner, wasn't even on the radar uh, when, when the uh, presidential for 2016 started to kick up. A guy named Chris Christie was the, everyone was looking at him. Yes. And he wanted to run up his score in New Jersey reelection, you know, red governor, Kind of like uh, 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 say it as it is, Governor. Kind of, kind of like Trump before Trump. Yeah. Uh, and so he ran up the score in Jersey to prove that he could win in in blue in blue districts. Well, the Obama administration uh, is doesn't want to run against Christie in 2012. They're scared to death. Uh, and so what do they do? They take the Department of Justice to investigate uh, what was eventually it was called Bridgegate, Bridgegate, where you know where where a federal statute was used to charge. Of course, the governor was, was skated in terms of he never had to defend himself, but he sacrificed two aides. Yeah. And they did not break the statute. Uh, 
experts said that the DOJ was wrongly applying this law in order to hurt right. uh, the governor. But ultimately, who who and the governor was hurt. Who you know? Where's Chris Christie today? Is he on Dancing with the Stars? No one knows, right? Yeah. And so he's on the beach, Jerry, sitting Obama, in that beach chair. So Obama was able to use the DOJ to get rid of Chris Christie. But then again, the real though for for the rest of us, these two people were thrown into jail. Yes. A, a mother of four. Yeah. And it went all the way to the the Supreme Court, and they were vindicated. Right. But but however, oh, they oh, had oh, 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 but they had to go okay. through years and years right. and years Listen, of legal Bob persecution. Bob McDonald here in Virginia. Right. Bob McDonald, again, another front runner going into 2012. Right. right? He was the boy governor. And the Obama administration. The Obama administration criticizes the DOJ uh, on 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 corruption charges that were eventually thrown out. Right. right? And so and so the, the concept. Our, hold on. Right. I want to say this. Remember, when you have when you are alleging a quid pro quo. I'll give you something if you give me something in return. You actually have to do something when you get something, right? And they right. can never, despite the fact that they never actually said that Bob McDonald did anything, um, uh, he was convicted under under corruption. Right, and and again, it's it's this is an abuse of the law. It's it's really the Department of Justice acting untethered from the yeah. law. But again, but going back to our our Andrew and Jerry saved the radicals. Who are the radicals today? It's the public interest law firms who are pushing against uh, this this this, you know, overreach, you know, politicizing everything at DOJ, at the IRS, at myriad other uh, the EPA. My goodness. And and so who are the radicals, the ones who are pushing back and writing about it and exposing it? And very often those radicals, the new radicals, today's new radicals. They are canceled. They are banned. They are uh, thrown off Twitter. They're given warnings at work. I want to I want to shift gears for a second. Talking about radicals and how things change and the different mindsets between conservatives and uh, progressives or conservatives and liberals. Uh, this is a new YouGov poll. I guess that was I guess it's not so new, but it was I don't know if the surveying was done in the summertime. It was just released in the last couple of days, and it's about mental health. Have you seen this, Jerry? This no. is great. It it essentially says that that uh, that uh, uh, all right. Specifically and strictly speaking, it says that conservatives are much more satisfied with their mental health than 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 liberals are. That liberals are 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 far more dissatisfied with their current mental state over here uh, by substantial by substantial portions here. Um, in terms of both ideology and and political party, let me pull this up here. Uh, conservatives enjoy a, a, a I'm going to circle this, um, YouGov, uh, satisfaction, battery, mental health. How satisfied are you with your mental health? Are you completely satisfied? Blah, blah, blah. And it goes on. Uh, in terms of um, uh, completely satisfied with your mental health, uh, conservatives enjoy a 23-point um, advantage over uh, liberals, uh, and Republicans enjoy a 24 uh, well, is that, that that's it? Enjoy a sixteen-point advantage over over liberals here, which is which is astounding to me. Um, so it's it's not just about happier, but it's about uh, uh, sanity and, and and who is. And not that I want to stigmatize mental health. Well, no, but but think about this, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, think about the the miserable uh, progressive. Right. They they are unhappy about everything. They are victimized uh, by everything. And and so and again. 
in a way, you know, the show is Andrew and Jerry, you know, save the radicals. Uh, let's identify who the new Puritans are. Yeah, it's it, it is the hardcore left. It's progressives. Uh, they they are the ones who want to banish. They're the ones who want to uh, uh, curtail rights. They want to uh, if the law doesn't match what they want. I mean, think about, uh, you know, uh, Democrats support the court. Insofar as the court supports the Democrats. Right. Yes. And right. if you get decisions that Democrats don't like, well, then the court uh, uh, norm uh, norm uh, Ornstein. Norm Ornstein, yeah. Uh, from AEI has a piece out where he calls the justices, uh, the conservative justices on the court, he calls them political hacks. But okay. And but 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 here's so the thing. What the hell is going on, Jerry? What the hell is going on with AEI? Can you explain this to me, please? I mean, what I mean, is it just the hold that the Cheneys have over AEI? I mean, is that what it is? It's 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 our it's the pro Cheney team. I, I I think this. I mean, if if AEI's leadership, I don't want to get listen. I know you've had a long-standing relationship, but I just don't understand this. It, it, you know, look, I I don't think the relationship with the Cheneys moves AEI one way or the other. Um, and the fact that AEI is still uh, has a solid relationship with that family that's his that, that's history. And yeah. and so I I forgive them that. But but broaden your question though. Uh, where have any of the big idea factories, where have any of them been? You know, where is the GOP trade policy? Where is the GOP tax policy? Yeah, but, but, Where's but, the GOP healthcare policy? Listen, these are separate issues. I mean, we can get into, we can get into the, the discussion well, about- look, sorry, but time uh, out, no, no, time out, time out. Because, but I want to, I want to come back to this because this is- AEI, the American Enterprise Institute, a stalwart conservative organization for decades that is now openly attacked. We finally have a conservative majority on the court. And here is AEI attacking the conservative majority on the court, which is which up until I would say up until eight years ago, up until Donald Trump became president or ran for president, AEI would have been applauding all of this. And again, you know, AEI would say that that Norm has his own opinions and, sure. he's, and we and we respect his uh his, Got it. it's, you know, it's his academic freedom and that between, sort of thing between Norm Ornstein and, 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 and AEI and Jonah Goldberg in the national review, although right. you know, Jonah, exactly Lamp, right. right. But, but here's the thing sure. uh, you know, that, that really is, is at the heart of your question. And that is, there are too many uh, in the center right movement who aren't the radicals. They are more the appeasers. They're the, uh, the, the Vichy, the v, the Vichy conservatives, sure. uh, those who, Somehow Trump broke their mind and they are defending things today uh, that they would consider outrageous only but four or five years ago. I'll give you an example. Uh, 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 David French. David French. Yes, uh, prime who, example. Uh, who uh, writes now for the dispatch, but was a National Review guy, ran. He you know, was considered to run for president. He was uh, <laughs> he, again. He ran for president. Right. But, but, but this was a, this 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 was a principled man. Uh, someone who I read, I think we might have had him on, on our programs, uh, but but something broke. And this week he writes a defense of gender affirming surgeries. Now, it's more nuanced than what I just said, uh, but nonetheless, he says that it's wrong. He says that people aren't transgendered. You know, a, a boy is a boy, a girl is a girl, period. Uh, but then he goes on to say, though, in, in loving families, 
that if the parent wants to allow the 12 year old to have gender affirming surgery or hormone uh, therapy, well, then they should ha then have at it. And I'm thinking to myself, and, you know, forgive what I'm going to say, but because it, it's harsh. But so he supports a, a loving parent's right uh, to to mutilate right, right, a right. child's this body. Is, remember, we went down this road. The big, no thing about, the big thing about 20 years ago, right? It was it wasn't a mainstream issue, but it was something to talk about. The left was all over um, uh, 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 female circumcision, anti-female circumcision. This was a, an abusive, barbaric practice that was being practiced in some nations in Africa. And the United States to take a strong stand to make sure that when people from these countries come to the United States, that we make sure that no girl uh, can be uh, uh, mutilated in that way. And yet this is this is where we are. And again, who's 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 the radical here uh, and, and who's the and who is the um, the Puritan here? And, and, and what I mean by that is this. Sure. The radical will say no, even in a loving family. The state can't allow the parents to mutilate a child. Right. Number one. Right. And number two, you know, so what the parent cons uh, gives consent. So what if you, you decide this on a 13 year old girl who then when she's 23 regrets what happened? Right. And what 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 does it mean 10 years later, 15 years later when they regret and they say, well, my parents consented again, a, a child cannot cannot consent to this. Right. And so so giving parents again this this power to mutilate is insane. Well, this 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 gets. I mean, right? We there there. I remember in the eighties and into the nineties, there were all of these stories about Munchausen's by proxy syndrome, and you know, moms who were who were you know pretending that their kids were sick and giving them all kinds of treatments because they sure. loved the attention that they were getting. I mean, and that's listen. I'm going to say this. That's interesting. Andy. Yeah, that there there is some parallel here. Well, you know, between, there there was a story uh, this week. Uh, one of the old boy bands, I forget which one, New Kids or you know one of those boy bands, uh, has a has a child nine. Yeah, who is now identified as as transgendered and and they're celebrating this. And I'm thinking to myself. The child is nine. That's fourth grade. Yes. At, at fourth grade, the grownups and the and the parents are supposed to mold the child. Right. I mean, you, you, we're not supposed to take seriously what a nine year old says when it comes to these types of, well, of, that, of that, decisions that, that, that kids go through phases. And Bill Maher has a great piece on this. Right. That, you know, you, you, you know, not not every kid be, can become an, uh, a firefighter, astronaut, cowboy. Right. Right. You know, if if a, if a if a girl at age nine, because, you know, of a host of reasons, decides she wants to be a tomboy for some time in her life, that's fine. If if some, you know, uh, a kid boy wants to play, you know, play with dolls and pretend to be a mommy. You know, but, again, but regardless, that, though, remember, no, but my point is, is that, that doesn't mean that it's going to be permanent. Of course. Yeah. But even more than that, though, the it's the parents job. We are supposed to Absolutely. mold. We are supposed to mold our children's right. sexuality, uh, everything about them, their intellect, their soul. Well, and this is why, right, you have all you have the the you and I have talked about this. This is why you have in urban liberal progressive centers in America, the coastal elites or wherever else. That's why in these urban centers, you always have the self-identification of young people as being LGBTQIA skews massively upward vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the population. And it's not because it's not because 
um, uh, kids are afraid of the homophobic reaction of their parents in Peoria, Illinois, or Terre Haute, Indiana, or wherever, right? It's not because of that. It's because, you know, you, you, you don't have, you have parents who are molding their kids in one way in New York City, right? And parents who are molding their kids in a completely different way. I, I will say this. I had a very nice time at, at, at my high school. Uh, I went to my high school homecoming, um, had a wonderful time. I ran into somebody that I consider a, a, a mentor or someone, you know, in terms of radio and media that I've, uh, that I have emulated in the past. Um, saw a, now this is not a problem. So my high school, Jerry, weirdly enough, this is going to say a lot about me. Uh, my high school didn't have cheerleaders when I was in high school because my, the, the woman who was in charge of the school didn't like the concept and it's a whole thing. Eventually they got a new athletic director who had played in the NFL, who was a, an alumnus. And he decided to pull the, the school into the modern school spirit. There's a whole point to the story. They, they introduced cheerleaders. I don't have a problem with male cheerleaders, right? I've known male cheerleaders, you know, at my daughter's high school uh, uh, here in Virginia. But I have a problem with a hey, male just for, cheerleader just for the record, wearing I, a cheerleader I, I, skirt. <laughs> I I I I uh, I, uh, I stepped on your on your on your. No, it's all right. Go ahead. But, 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 but you're on. right. No, no problem with male cheerleaders. I was a right. joke that I, I played football in high school. I wasn't a cheerleader. But but you make this point. Yes. And listen, and I knew guys. Listen, I knew guys in college who were male cheerleaders just because they wanted to. Now they were all friend zoned, but they like they like touching the cheerleaders. All right, stop. Yes. But but um, but, but but again, the bottom line is is that we are supposed to mold our children, raise them, and and you have parents just 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 abdicating. A nine year. What if the nine year old said to you? that, um, well, I really believe that ice cream is good for me. And so all I want to eat uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner is I ice cream. I identify this ice cream as a salad. As, as, he as healthy. Yes. No, ice creams, well, if, if everyone can have their own truth and they have to be uh, true to their authentic self, well, my authentic self doesn't want to eat anything healthy. It, Jerry, I mean, we've talked about this. It's the same reason why. I mean, for whatever reason now, you can go to the DMV and you can select other on your driver's license in terms of your, your gender. But I can't identify as a, you know, as a, a blonde haired, blue eyed, 25 year old guy. I'm a, a dark haired, dark eyed, fat, um, a 51 year old. And, and I can't identify because this is the objective. There's the objective reality. And for whatever reason. And so now here's the point, right? Again, bringing it back, doing the figure eight. We are now radicals for wanting to say that there is objective reality. Yeah. That is, that is an insane level of Kafkaism. I mean, it really is. Um, the, the, the idea that, that we are now at a point where, where, we, where if we say this and we speak these plain truths, these self-evident truths, that we are considered, that we are considered somehow radical. Right. It's amazing to me. We, we are a threat to democracy. We are right, insurrectionists. Right. So, so now I, with, with that in mind, I want to play, I want to play this. Let me find this here. Hold on. While you're finding it again, just to, to this idea of what evidence of a politicized DOJ. Uh, well, you have these January 6th and in some instances they're, they're charged with trespassing first offense and they've been thrown into jail. I, I, some have I, been I, in I, I, solitary, solitary confinement. 
And Andrew, just, you know, just in the last, you know, couple of weeks, we have this couple from Johns Hopkins oh, uh, who selling I want, I want I want to come back to that. That I want well, to spend but my, whole point bunch is, of my point is they were arrested and released on the same day. Yes. So don't tell me, don't tell me that the DOJ is not politicized. Arrested. Uh, hold on. What, okay. You're, you're absolutely right. So let me, well, before I play this, because you and I didn't get a chance to talk about this story because it broke on Thursday and, and um, um, you know, it broke, I think, while we were on the air. Let me stop this. Stop the share. We'll come back to Joe Biden identifying as everybody and their brother. Um, <laughs> In other words, lying. Yes. So, so. There's a couple. Um, she is a professor of anesthesiology at Johns Hopkins. I think she is of Russian extraction. He is a major in the United States Army who at various points in time during his career was identifying as a woman. So what they call MTF, transgender. Uh, went to the military's medical school in Bethesda, uh, served, uh, got promoted. Um, but really, uh, according to... Um, um, sources who were contemporary contemporaries of him in the military. Uh, he was really more interested in being the trans army doctor than being a doctor. Um, that, that, that was sort of his industry. Um, so they reached out to the Russian embassy. Um, she did the wife, lady Macbeth, uh, reached out to the Russian embassy. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. Reached out to the Russian embassy with an offer to sell military information or give military information to the Russians. Um, now we don't know how this got in the hands of the FBI. Um, but it did. So either the Russians gave over the information, which is doubtful or the national security agency taps every phone call into the Russian embassy, which they should be doing. Either way, the FBI was tipped off that this had happened, and an FBI agent posing as a Russian reached out to the family. Um, they had several meetings with the wife, uh, at least one meeting with the husband. Secrets were passed. Military information was passed. Information about uh, American military medical preparedness. Information about soldiers, soldiers stationed at Fort Bragg. Now, Fort Bragg, for those of you who don't know, is where not, just, not only do we have uh, airborne rangers, uh, but it's where Delta Force is, so so special operations are there, um, and information about spouses, medical information about spouses. Um, this happened in August, by the way. So here we are. It's 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 just a couple of months later. The DOJ can turn around and prosecute very quickly when they want to. This couple is prosecuted, or they are indicted, not indicted for espionage, not indicted for treason. Though the wife said that she was loyal to Russia. And the husband talked about joining the Russian army. Now, we're not at war with Russia, but Russia is at war with somebody that we're supplying military aid to. He wanted to join the Russian army. He said he'd be a little more uncomfortable. No, no, no. They're charged with conspiracy and they're charged with violations of HIPAA. And now I don't know if there was a, a, a 30 FBI, 30 SWAT clad FBI agents who showed up at the house, but they were released the same day. With, with ankle bracelets on. You talk about double standards, this is emblematic of it. I'm sorry, Jerry, go ahead. And, and again, there's lots of political reasons why they would do this, right? Uh, the January 6th commission, this show trial, uh, is important to the Democrats' midterm 
midterm plans and they know they're going to lose the house. So they lose the house. The commission goes away. And so this is critical to their to their to their to their push. Right. And if there is a espionage story, Johns Hopkins, a transgendered army army officer, his wife, it has all the all the ingredients for a sustained story into into the next election, right. which completely how can the January 6th committee, how can how can the uh, Jamie Raskins or the Liz Cheney's say that this guy who was led into the Capitol and kind of walked around a little bit and then walked out of the Capitol? He's been in jail for six months uh, and he's only charged with trespass. How about the woman who was just convicted for many months? I don't know how many months she got. The woman who never went into the Capitol was just outside on the Capitol grounds. So she refused to leave the Capitol grounds when they tried to clear it. We're in a Captain America suit. She is convicted. She's going to jail. I mean, this is amazing to me. And, and again, Andrew and I are on the record that this January 6th mob attack on the Capitol was a horrendous day in our history. We've talked about that. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have the DOJ uh, uh, punishing these, uh, these, uh, these again, trespassers. Uh, you might not like their intent, but the fact of the matter is these are low-level crimes, uh, and yet there has been a political persecution. And these two aren't even indicted on on treason. Let me let me let me let me let me read this. I because this is this was in the Dallas Morning News three days ago. Mickey Larson Olson, 53 of Abilene, Texas, um, was sentenced to six months in jail. Texas woman who was charged, uh, who was who charged the US Capitol dressed in the Captain America costume, then fought law enforcement trying to clear the scene. Uh, she joined an enormous cl- uh, crowd on the west side of the Capitol, but she never she never went in. She never went into the Capitol. She gets six months, six months in jail. Uh, frequent and hard to miss presence at Donald Trump rallies across the country where she dresses in red, white, and blue Captain America style costumes and drives a red car covered in conspiratorial and Donald Trump supporting stickers. So essentially she, she, she was convicted, right? She was, she was convicted of, of, of trespass, right? She was there. She didn't go into the Capitol, but she got six months because she's a Donald Trump supporter. Oh, that's exactly right. And also, again, this false narrative, this gaslighting that somehow January 6th, these these MAGA people are a threat to democracy. That's look big news today or this week, you know, depending upon when you're listening to us, uh, the the Democrats are moving forward with their plan in terms of the next five weeks, election election days in five weeks. The plan was to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, to talk about the green gas, energy. And gas prices coming down. But that, that was the plan. Yeah. And, and someone pulled the plug on that uh, this week. And now the plan is uh, MAGA Republicans, Republicans are a threat to democracy. Uh, and they're going to and they're going to run with that. And and th- and again, the media hands this to them. Right. And and anything that's counter to that, like this trans army officer, his wife engaged in treason, although not indicted on treason, this has to get off the front pages 
because it interferes and, and with it was, the real threat are the really MAGA about this. There has not been hide nor hair of this story. And by the way, not a national story either. This was a DC local story. Um, I, I, the only real news coverage I saw, well, there was a CNN story on it, but uh, WMAR um, uh, uh, did a story on it because because it was happened in Maryland and it happened. She happened to be a professor at Hopkins, but but story is gone. There is no mention of this story anymore, um, which is which is just crazy. In fact, that may be why I need to write a, a piece about stuff. But but you know, you talk about this. Let's let me go here. I want to play this clip from Joe Biden, Joe Byron, uh, Joe Biden. You, you talk about lack of objective reality. How can you have an objective reality when the leader of your party is saying this? I got raised in the black church. He knows I'm not kidding. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. I probably uh, went to shul more than many of you did. <laughs> you all think I'm kidding. He can tell you I'm <laughs> I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home, politically. I just have one thing to say. Oh, and this is when he plays the music. We don't need to play that. Anyway, um, but you know, but but you're right, Jerry. You said this early on. I don't, I don't remember if you said it on the air. He he he. He was a truck driver. His house burned down. Um, what, what else? I mean, you know, he's, he's he, all, uh, oh, he, he was, said he, he said he was arrested, arrested trying, in South Africa. trying to visit uh, Nelson Mandela. Yes. Uh, he says that he was on the front lines of the civil rights movement. Uh, he talks about all kinds of experiences, events that never occurred. Yeah. And by the way, I don't chalk, I don't chalk this up to Joe Biden being uh senile, you know, he mentally re- infirm. I mean, there are other things. This he is was- just. He Here was Joe recruited Biden to play baseball at, at Navy when yes. Roger Staubach uh, uh, beat him out. Yes. I mean, again, some of this, I guess if he was younger, this is kind of political hyperbole. It's kind of fun. You exaggerate to make a point. Sure. Uh, you know, kind of blarney. Uh, but with him, uh, it's 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 actually ghoulish because yeah. uh, he, as he's talking about how he's everything, I'm black, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm a truck driver, uh, I identify uh, as all these things. Uh, at, at the same time, uh, he, he, he's in Florida uh, and he has to give a political dig to the governor and says, oh, Ron DeSantis uh, believes in climate change now. And again, to our theme, who right. are the radicals? Are the right. radicals the scientists who push back against this kind of politicized uh, environmental movement? Uh, they're, they're the radicals. Uh, the Puritans are the ones uh, who won't have any debate, won't allow for any counter uh, counter arguments, won't won't really examine or reexamine the data, won't look at other science in terms of of the rotation of the earth. My point is, is right. that climate change, the issue of climate change is something science still needs to discover and, and, and debate and, and experiment. Right. But yet that side. Uh, if you are someone who's skeptical of the climate change movement, the Green New Deal, you are considered the other. You are right. considered not serious. And that's what they want to do, right? This is their new move. The, well, and and the remember, Democrats- right, we talk about this. We talk about the weaponization of law enforcement for political ends. Let's not forget that it was the last administration, not the last administration, the administration before last. It was the Obama administration and their hangers on in law enforcement, right, state AGs who were going after and, and, and trying to investigate using the power of law enforcement, folks who were offering climate skeptic policy, you know, are good friends of the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And, and, and here's the thing, the Democrats and the progressives 
they don't believe simply that they're the best choice. They believe they're the only choice. Right. And that if you choose skepticism when it comes to climate change, when you choose uh, to think differently about sexuality and these family issues and gender affirming and that sort of thing, uh, that is unacceptable. And again, more and more people, average people, why speak out if you're going to be uh, arrested or charged or, you know, again, how you, again, you, ha you have the three biggest, you know, most important physician, uh, physician advocacy groups, the American uh, Medical Association, uh, the American Association of Pediatrics. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a third uh, wrote a letter. Probably, to, probably the American Academy of Family Physicians, but I don't know offhand. Wrote a, a letter uh, uh, to the Justice Department asking those who uh, who are against gender affirming uh, to investigate. Well, and, 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 and again, you know, going back to the, the folks who, who, you know, the, the teachers, so the national association of school boards asking DOJ to investigate parents, right. Exactly. Or right. showing up or showing up at meetings. So it's, 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 there's no more choice in politics. Again, the, the irony that they support democracy, but, but in reality, they don't support democracy. They support the, the, the tyranny of Listen, the one choice. I went through this. I'm going to, I'm going to, cause I haven't talked about it in a while. You know, I was keeping tabs during the Obama administration about this. And I talked a little bit about this with John Justice on Monday and sort of the narrative building and, and you know, the issue of, of, you know, when the media doesn't report on something, right, then it doesn't happen. So, so if the media doesn't report on, um, on this transgender uh, major, you know, offering up military health secrets to the Russians, then it doesn't happen. Right. Um, and if they don't prosecute it, right, if something isn't prosecuted or it gets dropped or what have you, that's a whole nother part of this. Um, and so, you know, I'm reminded of, of back during the Obama administration when, you know, so you had an organized political opposition movement, uh, the Tea Party movement, which is just what it coalesced as. I mean, there was things that were starting to happen um, and there were the massive bailouts. Anyway, it's a whole thing. So there were a myriad number of ways in which the Obama administration weaponized the power of government vis-a-vis -vis the Tea Party movement. I was keeping tabs on this. And it wasn't just the IRS either slow walking or, or um, uh, investigating organizations and using their power to do this. But it was also the White House wanting people to report on, you know, countervailing information, you know, any information that was counter to the narrative, the white house was being put out. The white house was demanding these things. Uh, they had something called attack watch, sort of a rapid response operation that got shut down within the first 24 hours. They uh, wanted to know around the Thanksgiving table, who was saying something negative about Obamacare, right? That's right. About Obamacare. This is not a joke, by the way. Um, and it, it got to the point even where, and you can go and look this up. I, I could pull it up right now, but I don't want to take the time to, to do it. The Obama administration used the National Cancer Institutes. Now, you know, money that is supposed to be used to do research for cancer, to find a cure for cancer in America, they were using money for that to produce political reports to bash the Tea Party movement as being a front for big tobacco, right? which is insane. Um, and that's, again, that's not a lie, but this and, was the, and, the level to which they were doing this. And you talk about this again, establishment versus radical or establishment. And versus there was a time in our history that if the government, the government was acting, uh, you know, again, 
uh, acting in this manner, there'd be the media. There is no, there is no media attention to the abuse of power uh, in any of these more to the point, When you raise the issue of it being an abuse of power, you're passed off as a kook and you are deep platformed on Twitter or you are shadow banned on Twitter or, you know, you're, and, you're and dismissed think about as how a the, QAnon. How this has changed. Yeah. Think about the 1970s. Think about Robert Redford in particular. Think about uh, the uh, um, uh, all the president's men. Right. Uh, and, and how the Washington Post, right, uh, was looking out for... Uh, government uh, uh, corruption. What about Seven Days of the Condor? Three days. Seven Days of the Condor days. is the book. Three Days of the Condor is the movie. Right. Again, and again, talking about a, parallax you know, view with, a, with a, uh, Warren a, Beatty. A deep, a, a deep administrative state. There sure. was a time when Hollywood was calling these things out. Right. Today, I just got word today uh, that well, you know, the big news in Hollywood is that Scooby Doo, the next movie, <laughs> Thel- Thelma comes out as a as a as a lesbian. Which, which we already all knew. I mean, we already knew that, that she was but, a lesbian. But the point that, is, is, just, that, you know, is, that, is that Hollywood is now part of the woke culture. Uh, they don't push back. You know, we didn't uh, talk about this. Are you, you know, because I, I I had no real interest in seeing bros. Um, but, but you know. I didn't, this, I, didn't, I didn't even know it was a movie yeah. until I was told that I was homophobic for not seeing the movie. Yes, that's right. A well, movie that, I, I, never, I, I never even knew about. Right. And this is this is the point in the end. I mean, I, I saw I saw a, a, I remember seeing a really great gay rom-com. I'm, I'm sorry, I was going to make a joke about this. I probably shouldn't. I was going to make a joke about Philadelphia, um, which is a great movie. No, no, no two ways about it. Philadelphia is a great movie. Um, but again, know, Tom Hanks the, deserved the, the Oscar. Great, the great Tom Hanks says now that it was wrong for him to play that role. Right. Which is which is insane again, because yeah. it's acting. Yeah. Right. It, it, you know, it, it really, it really, it really, you know, and we were just thinking about something over the weekend. We watched something where we're like, well, that, that couldn't be done today. Oh, we were watching a Saturday night live sketch in which Mike Myers was playing judge Ito. And, and I'm like, okay, that, that, that couldn't be done today. Um, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not even sure if the uh, Sean Connery bit a uh, jeopardy bit could go on today. Oh, uh, Alex, I'll take the rapist. I'll, I'll take your mother for, for Yeah. Yes. No, no, I think that I think that's I think that's true. Um, yeah, I was doing a, a, a deep dive um watching Dana Carvey doing I don't even I don't even remember this skit this skit coming out. Dana Carvey as as Johnny Carson as an expert lawyer assisting the the OJ Simpson legal team. It was very funny, but yeah, Mike I, Myers is Jejito. You couldn't do it. I today. hope that this is the last season. Oh no, no, no! Listen, it's, it's uh, horrible. It's gonna, it's gonna go it's to unwatchable. The, it's gonna go to the fiftieth anniversary. Lorne Michaels will see it out to the fiftieth anniversary in two years, um, and, and then most likely he'll retire, and it may, it may, it may sort of die out. Tina Fey will come back as executive producer in the last a couple more years. Uh, I don't think it's good. Um, I mean, there used to be, first of all, when we were kids, it was, you had to watch it. Okay. So here's the funny thing. Right? So, all right. There is a phenomenon it, that they talk about. Okay. Which is the best Saturday night live cast is the cast that was on when you were an adolescent, regardless of when you were an adolescent. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a compelling theory. So for adolescent in the seventies, the John Belushi cast, because all right. If you're an adolescent in your, you know, when you're somewhere between the ages of 13 and 17, 
Yes, you I, know, I think I think th- those years for us were were bad years. Oh, I don't think so. No, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. Those are the, that was the Billy Crystal years. I love. All right, first of all, I love the Billy Crystal years. No, so because you're I like Billy you're, Crystal. You're a couple of years older than I am. Um, now, to be when, fair, when, right? I mean, when 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 would I mean? So I was I was fourteen in 1984-85. Okay, so that's that's you know right right around yeah that's still Billy Crystal Christopher Guest. Um, yeah, not, not good years. Oh, no, no, no. I love those years. I love those. Now, to be fair, before, right before Eddie Murphy came on, the first year that Lauren Michaels wasn't there, I'm sorry, I'm going to do a deep dive here, ladies and gentlemen. There's a woman named Jean Dumanian. Now, part of the problem, Jerry, also, is that I, I is that Lauren Michaels wasn't producing in, in 83, 84, and 84, 85. When were, when, were the, when, when, were, when were the um, uh, when were the Murphy years? So Eddie Murphy was 82, 83, 81, 82. And, and right. I guess so, he left. So I, I was in seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. Eighth so, grade. Right. So remember you had a really crappy year, one year where it was a guy named Charles Rocket, um, who later committed suicide, who also dropped the F-bomb on the air. Denny Dillon, who was terrible. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried, who hadn't come into his own. Um, you had Robin Duke. Uh, and you had, I think Joe Piscopo had started, but Joe Piscopo was sort of carrying everything. But you had a woman named Jean Dumanian who was producing the show who didn't know anything about comedy. Um, then she great. got fired and Dick Ebersole came in and Dick Ebersole's got a new biography out. By the way, Jerry, that's who you should reach out to is Dick Ebersole. All right. So Dick years. Ebersole came over from NBC Sports. Yep. He was a sports producer. Yeah, I remember. Yes. That's, and that's how I knew him. And, produced, him. and produced Saturday Night Live. He was married to Susan St. James. That couldn't um, have worked out very well. And and then they brought in the All-Stars. So Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer. Um, I love those shows. Uh, Tim Kazarinski, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Brad Hall. No, bad years. Yeah, no, I love those. Even with Dick Ebersole producing. So it got, it got good again when... Um, when uh, you know, the uh, Adam Sandler crew came in. Okay. So no. All right. So no, I think it was before then. So then you had the year where it was Robert Downey Jr. Anthony Michael Hall. Those are terrible. No, no, those are, those are terrible without a doubt. But then you get Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, Jan. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. John Lovitz. That was good. Yeah. And so that's sort of, yeah. And I love those. So that's That's kind of like our, those are our college years. maybe. Yeah. But yeah. And remember that's when Lauren Michaels came back. And, yeah, but my, my point the is then is that you know, except for Murphy and uh I mean the 80s were kind of a waste. No, no, no. Again, because remember Dana Carvey coming, they came in in 86. All right, so I think, right, 80, so, I think 80 so the through, early 80s. I think were bad. 80, no, no, see, I think 82 through 84 are good. 85, 86 was terrible. Well, I guess hey, wait, the, I the story. bottom line you, is let me tell you yeah. a quick story. Let me tell you a quick story. So I had a cousin who worked for NBC and um we went down, me and my buddies, it's 85, the fall of 85. It's got to be right around now. I think it must have been either Veterans Day time or the Yom Kippur holiday. We go into the city, me and my idiot friends, we're allowed to go in on the train. Um, we go to 30 Rock. Our My cousin takes us on a tour of the NBC studios. And then she says, okay, I'm going to go to lunch. You guys have fun. Don't get into trouble. And she lets us loose in NBC. So we make a beeline down to studio eight H where we're watching them rehearse Saturday night live. And it's terrible. It's Chevy chase hosting. Um, it's Anthony, Michael Hall, Robert Downey, Jr. Terry Sweeney and Denitra Vance. 
Terry Sweeney, who the only imitation he could do was an imitation of Nancy Reagan in drag. And we watched, but we, we were fascinated watching this it was kind of, it was fun to until, watch. until we got kicked out. And then, by the way, then we went over to CBS News because our other friend's dad worked over at CBS News. And we watched the Channel 2 News with Michelle Marsh. And I got to see Michelle Marsh without her makeup on. And that was something you never wanted to see. So wrap up the Saturday Night Live uh, uh, rabbit hole. Who, who's the greatest player? Um, I will say Mike Myers. Uh, Myers. Um, the one who I would just laugh uncontrollably was Belushi. Oh yeah, I mean, so yes, cheeseburger, so, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Yes, which is, which is which is great. Uh, for me, you know, so, so it would be, and I, I would put. But Sand- Adam there. Sandler was awesome. Um, Phil Hartman also. Phil Hartman way, was way, great. way up there for me. I mean, the the great- he, he carried that for a while. He was in he some did. bad years. So 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 he he did a he did a sketch. My favorite sketch of all time is the Sinatra Group. Yeah, which is the version of the McLaughlin Group. With Frank Sinatra in the John McLaughlin role, yeah. and it's Sting as Billy Idol and Jan Hooks yes, as as yes, Sinead O'Connor, yes. and Mike Myers and uh, um, and uh, Victoria Jackson as Stephen Eady. I mean, it is it is awesome. It, it is, is great. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I will subject you. I'm watching. By the way, I'm 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 listening to the my new favorite podcast is the Fly on the Wall podcast with um with Dana Carvey and David Spade, and they interview people who are either guests or writers or or whoever was associated with the show um and so last week's episode they're doing a two-parter with lorne michaels every week jerry um they're doing they whoever whatever guest is on invariably they have an impression of lorne michaels which i don't know if you're aware of this but mike myers dr evil character that voice is based on lorne michaels right awesome, yeah. yes it's 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 fantastic i'm sorry i know we we took up uh, all of that all of that we, time we there. need that we we need more uh from mike myers and even dana carvey well Something, yeah a, a tour a comedy so, tour so yeah it would be it would be great for a while they weren't talking really and i i had never quite realized how far um you know how sort of mike myers background mike myers was raised he was born in canada but raised in liverpool or sort of spent time in both england or his parents were liverpudlian oh my god and so he oh that's god. why he does such a, a spot on liverpudlian someone from liverpool is called a liverpudlian <laughs> you know what you I, would say? This, I would say the the guy who lives in liverpool that uh, is a liverpudlian <laughs> i love it and i have that a great the name of the, that I have a, the name of the show yes andrew and jerry oh, by the way did you see again this is uh this is inside joke, but I sent years ago. We did a podcast, and our friend Michi was with us. Oh, the Paul I, McCartney thing. Yeah, I said, you know, um, uh, um, uh, Phil Collins was on with, uh, with on the Donahue oh, yeah. show, and I saw this. And Donahue, Phil Donahue asks Phil Collins, you know, in music today, you know, what what are you hoping for? What would you like to see? And Phil <laughs> Collins said, I'd like to see uh, uh, Paul McCartney write better songs. Yes. And I can't find the clip. But no, but you, but you sent the this great day, story. That, yeah, there's a story out, I think, at Inside Hook now. You should go read it. Yes. Where, where Phil Collins just doesn't like Paul McCartney. Yes, and he tells the story why, because Paul McCartney dissed him years ago, which is, uh, uh, which is incredible. Um, well, it's it's further evidence that I did see this. Clip. No, no, no. Yeah, without a doubt, man. And I wonder how fresh it was in in uh, in in his mind at, at that point in time. We're talking about we're talking about the Donahue thing. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, <laughs> by the way, a couple, couple of, couple of housekeeping items, guys. Uh, Jerry was absolutely correct in his recommendations on Arthur Avenue. Uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful trip there. Um, just, just fantastic. In fact, uh, um, finally, we finished the Italian bread, and then I finished the the loaf. I went back and looked because I didn't realize. So the bakery that we went to, Terranova Bakery. Yeah. So it's only been around for about 50 years, but there was a, a bakery that preceded it by another 50 years. And so they bake their, all of their bread in these massive coal-fired ovens, mm. which the Biden administration would want to get rid of, by the way. You know, and, and also, just as, a, as an aside, you know, I went to Fordham University, and one yes. of the greatest things of Fordham was you'd go outside at a certain part, a uh, certain time in the evening, and all those bakeries would be making bread. And it just filled the air. It was it was uh, it was delicious. You'd look forward to going out for a run because you could uh, taste the bread in the air. Hey, um, I just got a message from somebody at uh, at uh, at at your station, Jerry WBAL, a uh, station that I haven't been on for a By year. By the way, I'll be on WBAL uh, Friday, uh, the, uh, October seventh. Yeah. So I I oh okay. So uh, so tomorrow or Friday? Yes. So Friday and it's Friday and Sunday. I'm on. Oh, good, good, good to good to know. Uh, well, I apparently just got a package at the station. So, <laughs> so actually, well, you know some, what? I'm sorry. There's some small amount of irony, Jerry, because I believe that today or tomorrow is the uh, is the anniversary of my, you know, my departure. You know, my uh, my that that faithful mm. that faithful uh, that faithful day. Um, maybe tomorrow would be a good opportunity for me to come on with you. Maybe. All right. You know. I'm on uh, 7 to 11, WBAL, News Radio. Oh, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Yes. I'm sorry, I missed this before. For a second, I thought, oh, my God, Jerry, they're putting you on. Uh, they're putting no, you no, on the no, floor. That would be doing, great. Doing, and doing and I'm going to be filling in on WMAL on Thanksgiving. I don't know about anything before mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I got, got word uh, of well, that yesterday. I'm getting hungry, Andrew. That I know you are, Jerry. Show? Believe me. Uh, so um, uh, real quick, by the way, uh, please. Keep watching the show. Keep listening. Uh, we're about to hit a major milestone in terms of our downloads, so we're very yeah. excited about that. Please leave reviews. Let your friends know what's going on. Uh, my uh, my other show, the uh, the Lunch Hour, the Federal Newswire Lunch Hour, episode one is up. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Episode two with Congressman Michael Cloud is going up. Next week, it's going to be uh, me talking with Ilya Shapiro. Um, and then, uh, um, you know, we may have a, I may have a special guest, uh, in a couple of weeks, oh, right. like uh, we're either going to, yeah, anyway, we'll, 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 we'll tease that, uh, later on. Um, Jerry, what do you want people to do? Find the truth, plant your feet and stand firm. God bless you. Have a great week, everybody have fun and please stay safe.